you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. John chapter 4, verse number 35. Say, not ye. There yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We're not waiting. It's already here. The Lord said, why do I keep hearing you say in four months it's going to be the harvest? Just open your eyes and recognize the harvest is already here. It is harvest time. By the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach for a few minutes on the prevailing winds of revival. The prevailing winds of revival. Would you... Help me right now. Ask the Lord to meet with us in the house. God, we come now humbly asking that you would send the unction of your spirit upon your servant tonight. Let the anointing of God, the inspiration of the Holy Ghost touch my mind. Lord, I pray against every distraction and anything tonight that would hinder one in this room from receiving the word of God or from the word of God going forth with power. I pray right now, God, that your spirit have free reign and move over this building. Lord, sweep over every heart and every life. Let every mind and heart be touched by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God bless you. You can be seated. Through my growing up years, living in southeast Texas, only about 60 miles or so from the Gulf Coast, I learned a little bit about storms. I know they say in Indiana, if you don't like the weather, hang around, it'll change. But I'm going to tell you that when you live along the Gulf Coast region in places like Florida and Texas, it's sun shining and bluebird skies. And then in the matter of a few moments, the clouds turn dark, it comes rain, and a couple hours later, it's back to sun shining again, and the humidity's so high you can hardly breathe. In my time living in the South, I learned a lot about hurricanes. Well, maybe not a lot, but a little about hurricanes. 
in general, hurricanes are steered by global winds, and these global winds are prevailing winds that surround a hurricane. They, they're larger than the hurricane itself. And these prevailing winds steer and direct, give direction to the hurricane. They, they're also known as the environmental wind field. These prevailing winds are what guides the hurricane along its path. And because of the direction of these winds, the forecasters are able to be able to, to predict somewhat where the hurricane is going to hit shore. In the tropics where hurricanes form, easterly winds called trade winds steer the hurricane toward the west and long before the hurricane ever touches the Gulf shore or long before the hurricane ever gets to the eastern seaboard in general, the prevailing winds of the hurricane begin to blow. Now, many years before satellite imaging and before the National Weather Service with their forecasting capability, early land dwellers had to rely on an innate ability to detect the prevailing winds and know what they mean. And they then came up with a form of forecasting the impending storm. They had to predict the timing and the severity or, or they could be caught off guard and if they were caught off guard, major loss of life and major consequences because they were, would be unprepared. And so they relied on their ability to, to read the prevailing winds and to know what is happening. Now, of course, with all of the sophisticated weather forecasting, by the time the prevailing winds begin to blow, the people are already notified and they're already moving into action. But the challenging thing for leadership and for our government then is to be prepared before the storm ever arrives. Long before the hurricane ever hits the shore, they already have FEMA and all of the emergency management systems in place to be able to, to, to handle the disaster before it ever hits. But but one of the greatest, perhaps one of the greatest challenges for leadership, particularly spiritual leadership, is trusting your intuition, your spiritual intuition, if you please, and, and making decisions to challenge people to prepare for what you see on the horizon. It's the challenge that the prophet of God tells the servant, climb up the mountain and see what you can see. But the servant doesn't see what the prophet of God can hear. Sometimes the greatest challenge is to find the courage to risk making the call. And to follow through by announcing your personal prediction to the general public. Because if you're wrong, then your name is on the line and you're risking everything. But because preparation is required, 
It is important that the announcement is made in enough time for people to prepare for what they see on the horizon. So they announce the hurricane is coming. Or the man of God stands in the pulpit and declares revival is on the horizon. And the naysayers say, I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't sense it. But the man of God keeps declaring, warning, God is about to do something great. It's so incredibly risky because there'll never be a moment that everybody's going to understand you. Nor will there ever be a time that everyone agrees with you. Nor will there ever be a time that everybody is going to like your decision because it interrupts their lives. But the demand of leadership requires a decision to press forward. Forty years after the children of Israel had come to the edge of the promised land and they're standing ready to possess their promise. This was not just their promise. This wasn't just the promise that they had received, but it was the promise for which countless generations had yearned for. This was Abram's pilgrim promise. It was Isaac's land of wells. It was Jacob's country of Bethel. It was not just their place, but it was a place that their heritage had always dreamed of. But now the call to move six million Israelites was one of the greatest challenges that Moses had ever faced. If Moses had truly heard from God. He was going to make an announcement and die a hero. But if his experience with God was only a daydream and he really hadn't heard the voice of God, he would end up stoned in the wilderness. You can take that however you want it. The rest of you will get the stoned in the wilderness later. But tonight, Christian Life Church, here we are and we rejoice. Because we no longer wonder what the future of our facilities are going to look like. We're here living, literally looking at what we have prayed for and asked God for. Many came by this morning and the buzz was, we're possessing our promise, Pastor. Yes, we are. We're excited about what God has done. But for three years, we've wrestled over the call to move forward. It was one of the most difficult decisions that we as a church have ever made. But as I looked over the crowd this morning and mentioned that there were 300 seats set and we had another 100 in the back. They thought I was receiving text messages when Brother Spangler sent a message to me and said we had to set out 40 more chairs. There's way over 300 people here this morning. 
By the looks of the crowd tonight, I'm doubting we have many chairs left in the back. There's about 400 chairs. 380 chairs are out tonight. He just is motioning to me. 380 chairs out tonight. Most of them are filled. I got a feeling God has great plans. But before you see it, you question, is it really going to happen? Is it really what God is wanting to do? Are we really predicting what God is trying to say? But tonight, I have come to deliver another alarming message. I just heard the wind go out of the room. Oh no, here goes Pastor Dreaming again. Is he really going to announce phase two? Is he really going to announce another expansion? No, I didn't come tonight to preach about a building. Because this building is not our promise. All of our combined stories and all of our unique experiences through the last several years has brought us to the place that we are now. The ups and the downs, the days of joy and the days of grief, they've all played a part in getting us here to where we are. But this much I'm going to say, particularly to the construction team and to my staff and our board of directors tonight, I want to say we survived the building project. Did anybody bring the t-shirts? I survived. We survived and we didn't just survive, but we thrived. And during the last three years, our congregation's membership has grown. But more than 60 people while we built this And we didn't end the building project divided. But I got a feeling we are more unified than we have ever been. Of course it was the will of God. Of course it was the will of God for us to possess this building. But this building is not our promise. I sense something in the atmosphere tonight. And it is, it is without a doubt there is an impending revival that is resting on the horizon. I went into the Word of God today and the Lord spoke expressly to me and said revival is not coming but revival is here. Look unto the fields that are ripe and white and ready for harvest. We need to stop praying for God to send revival and stop praying for God to send people. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labor. For too many years we pray, God, send people to us. We've got to pray the way the Bible says. God, send us out to the highway. I see a revival in the forecast. I see a harvest of souls in the forecast. And it's not necessarily going to happen here, but it's going to happen in living rooms and coffee shops and meeting rooms and small groups and Bible studies. And it's going to happen right here.
The will of God is not changed for this church. His will for Christian Life Church is exactly the same as it was the first day that people gathered in the month of April of 1965 on Kelly Road. And seven years later, when our church moved to Gentry Street for some seven years, and then to Delphi Avenue for 42 years, and now here we are in a larger facility, more visible. I've told all my friends that came to visit, the Lord took all of my excuses away of why we can't grow. We are at the busiest intersection in Clinton County. Visibility's not a problem. Seating, well, it's not a problem. We still have room. And parking's not a problem because we can pave about 200 more spaces out here if we need to. And we've got plenty of room to be able to add phase two. The Lord has removed our problems. And I came tonight to tell you that according to your faith, so be it unto you. I believe tonight that some of you have been praying for your, your loved ones, your family members. You have been asking God to use you to reach a lost soul, to save your children and your grandchildren. Get ready. I see on the horizon. I feel the winds blowing. I feel the prevailing winds telling me that it's... It's about to happen. But here's what I got to tell you. Every time that a hurricane comes into the, to the eastern seaboard, it comes from the east and it's always traveling to the northwest. But this is what I want to tell you about what I see on the horizon. Our revival is not just coming from the east and headed to the northwest, but our revival is coming out of the north, the south, the east, the west. It's coming from across the tracks, across the street, across the aisle, across the county. It's coming in the whole region of north central Indiana. There is a storm brewing and the epicenter is Christian Life Church. There is a revival on the horizon. Oh, if you believe it tonight, you ought to give God a shout of praise. You ought to praise Him like it's your loved ones that's being filled. You ought to praise Him like it's already happened. God's will has not changed. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil, I, I'm calling it for what it is. If you think I'm being too spooky and too mysterious tonight, I'm not apologizing. The devil has fought our health. I ended up in the hospital not once but twice. Once at the point of death, my son ended up in the hospital three times for four weeks at the point of death. They tried to diagnose him with everything that would kill him, but God said, I'm not going to allow it to happen. I've visited several of you in hospital rooms. If you think it's not brought on by the devil in the middle of a building project because he wanted to turn your attention. 
We didn't start this in a good economy. We started this when the economy was struggling. And some of you went through difficulty. And you came and talked to me and said, Pastor, I don't know how I can keep up my commitment to possessing our promise. Pastor, I don't know. I want to, but I can't. And I said, just do your best. But when God blesses you, you do the best you can then too. And God has blessed you and brought you through. And here we are tonight. I'm feeling victory in the house tonight. For God has triumphed the horse and the rider he threw into the sea. But we came out the other side victorious. I feel like a Miriam ought to get a timbrel in her hand and begin to say, look what the Lord has done. Let me bring it a little closer to home tonight. Satan, you're defeated. I sense the prevailing winds of revival that are blowing through north central Indiana. I sense a revival on the horizon. God is about to blow our mind. If there ever has been a time that the church needs to catch the vision for revival, it's right now. If there has ever been a prayer, a time that our elders have breakthrough revival producing prayer, It's right now. If there has ever been a time that your participation is needed, it's right now. I know we move into a new building. A new building means new processes. It means things function differently. Everything is different here. We went from a large foyer to a tiny foyer. We went from a gravel parking lot to a nice paved parking lot. Thank God. Processes change. And a lot of people at that moment can feel like I'm being left out. Or they could feel like maybe this is a good time for me to step out and allow somebody else to step in. Don't allow the devil to steal the victory that you've been fighting for for the last no telling how many years. I dare you tonight to look the devil in the face and say sickness couldn't take me out. Finances couldn't take me out. Hurt feelings couldn't take me out. Frustration couldn't take me out. I come tonight in the name of the Lord to declare wherever the storm of revival is, that's right where I'm going to be. God, if you can send anybody, send me. I want to be the greatest soul winner that Christian Life Church has ever had. I don't have to stand in this pulpit and preach another sermon, but I want to reach the lost. I want to teach Bible studies. I want to reach...
this church has enjoyed many defining moments over the last few years. I feel like that today is one of those defining moments. Because today, I'm not just up here, somebody said something about the smoke that they were putting up to make the lights more visible tonight. They said, well, there's not a lot up there right now. And I said, don't worry, I'll be up preaching in a few minutes. There'll be a lot of, a lot of smoke rolling. I'm not up here tonight just blowing smoke. I'm not up here tonight just, I'm not up here tonight just trying to feel, be a time filler until we can get to the altar service and get out to the next, to the restaurant and be able to fellowship with one another. That's, that's not the purpose that I'm here. But I'm here tonight to declare to you as the church, I'm here tonight to prophesy to the winds. Bring the revival from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Bring the revival. This church cannot, cannot thrive when we make the church about us. Our worship has to be about Him. It's not about performers. It's not about lights and smoke. It's not about gifts and talents. It's about an environment where the Lord smiles on us. Our worship is about Him. It's not about us. Every service has to be about an opportunity for revival. We need to think about everything we're doing. And we need to rethink everything we're doing as a church. And ask the question, how does what I am doing fit into the grand scheme of revival? I heard a story that the President of the United States visited NASA back during the time that we were preparing to put a man on the moon. The President walked through the halls and he saw a man with a broom in his hand and was sweeping. He wasn't in the offices. He obviously was a custodian and he was sweeping. And the president walked to him to shake his hand and thank him. And the president said, sir, exactly what is it that you do around here? And with the broom in his hand, the custodian looked at him and said, sir, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. It doesn't matter what you are doing. It doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter how small and how insignificant you feel like what you are doing. Everything, what am I doing? I'm helping to bring the revival to the church that God is wanting to send in these last days. It's not about my title or my position. It's about revival. I feel the winds of revival blowing. This afternoon, as I was putting the final touches on this message, I heard my phone beep, buzz. I had several text messages come through today with people congratulating me, speaking of their desire to tell the church how much they love what we're doing. I paused for a moment to see if I should even pick up the phone or wait for a few moments. I heard it buzz again two or three times. It was different people that were texting and messaging. I picked it up and I looked at my text message. And it was Sister Brenda Campbell. Sister Brenda, are you here tonight? Where are you? Stand and let everybody see who you are. Sister Brenda Campbell. This lady, this is... This lady was a member of Christian Life Church long before me. When I came here 27, 28 years ago, Sister Brenda was a Sunday school teacher working faithfully. I wonder how many of you in here could raise your hand and say, Sister Brenda, you sat in one of Sister Brenda's classes. How many of you? <laughs> Look around you. Look at the incredible impact. What an incredible impact. Sister Brenda's been faithful. I don't think there's ever been a time that I ever asked Sister Brenda to do anything that she ever turned me down. She would always say, Pastor, I'll do my best. She would usually ask me exactly what I wanted, and I learned that all I had to say to Sister Brenda when she was working on something, one of her paintings or whatever, Sister Brenda could stand and quote it and shout it out if I asked her to, but she would say, I know, Pastor, we don't do ugly. And I'd say, whatever it costs, Sister Brenda, just make it look good. Whether she was decorating something or painting something or preparing something around the church for holidays or dramas and special events or special messages that I wanted a prop for. Sister Brenda was my go-to person. She's, she's been around for, for a little while. It's amazing that she's been here that long and still as young as she is. She silently worked as a Sunday school teacher behind the scenes. I, I don't know that only one time at a children's service do I ever remember Sister Brenda being on the platform when she did a chalk talk. Anybody remember Sister Brenda's chalk talks? She did a chalk talk, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. She changed the color of the lights, and all of a sudden the picture looked one way, and when she changed the color, it looked completely different. It was the coolest thing in the world. I was an adult, but wishing I was a kid in her class. I would much rather get her message than have to hear myself preach. Sister Brenda's been faithful for so many years. 
worked in so many areas of the church, and for the most part, she's, she's done that and come along. A couple of years ago, I, I asked her to tackle a project. We were going to reproduce different pieces of furniture for the tabernacle, and I asked her, Sister Brenda, would you... Would you build an Ark of the Covenant? I said, you know, take some cardboard boxes. And she's like, no, 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 Pastor, we don't do ugly. And so she asked her husband to help her. And she and Rick went to work. I don't, I don't know prior to this that I had ever met Rick. But she and Rick went to work on this project. And I knew it was going to be something nice. And the day that... She and Rick came in. I, I could sense a little bit of pride in what they have done. And for those of you that have seen our Ark of the Covenant that she created with the angels on the top, made to dimensions, very close replica, just absolutely stunning. We left it on our platform for a year, I think, that year. And I preached all sorts of messages on the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe I need to resurrect that theme back out again. Absolutely gorgeous. It was a couple of years ago, and I met, I remember meeting Rick. I, I knew who Rick was when I would see him in town, but I don't know that I had ever spoken to him. I spoke to him then, and he helped with the project, and I was able to talk to him there at the church a little bit. And, and I haven't seen Rick in a while, and a, a few weeks ago, I looked up on a Sunday morning, and I saw Rick sitting beside his wife in church. And then I saw Rick the next week and the next week, and I saw him here this morning. This afternoon, I got a text message from Sister Brenda, and she said, Pastor, Rick wants to be the first person baptized at the new location. I don't know how many years that Sister Brenda has waited for this day. This is what the church ought to do every time that someone goes down in water baptism in the name of Jesus. Welcome home, Rick. We're glad. We've been praying for you as long as I've been part of this church. Rick, go get ready because we're about to baptize you in Jesus' name tonight. Go ahead and go prepare. I was reading about the revival of William Seymour. He was padlocked out of his own revival. When he was, he, he went to a front porch to have church. That church ended up being connected to the Azusa Street revival, the modern-day Pentecostal movement that has changed the face of religion in America and around the world. As I was reading through that, I began to think about my personal ministry and the function of this church. This church cannot and does not exist just to be a gathering of saints. 
neither are we a gathering of ordinary, dead, dry, false religion. But I believe the hand of the Lord is upon this congregation. And he has anointed this church for an apostolic revival like we have never known. What if from right here in the cornfields of Indiana, the next great apostolic movement springs forth? What if we stop being a church and start being a movement? I'm talking about a group of people with the power and potential to change the world. We talked about the potential of our altar this morning. The potential of this church. It's amazing because God has sent the prevailing winds of revival. I shared just a little bit of the story, and I'm going to close. I shared just a little bit of the story last week. I want to share the rest of the story this week because what happened at the conclusion of service and how it unfolded, I think, is just too incredible for me not to share. Now, normally, I wouldn't share stories like this, but understanding the reputable people that what was shared with me came from. It's, it gives a certain sense of validation to it. And so I am sharing it cautiously based on the fact of, of who, it, who it was shared to me by. I shared with you last week or week before last that about three years ago in a prayer meeting, Sister Brooks, we're glad the Brooks are with us tonight. Sister Brooks came to me and she said, Pastor, the Lord gave me a vision and she said, when the Lord gave me a vision, she said, I saw you fretting and worrying. And she said, the Lord told me to tell you, don't fear. She said, I saw 10,000 white horses going forth before you. And the Lord said, wherever you go, I'm going to send an angelic host to go out before you and to prepare the way before you ever get there. And to don't walk in fear, but walk in faith. Last week or week before last, whichever it was that I shared the story, at the conclusion of my message, I didn't know it would ring a chord with anybody, but just as we ended the service, Brother Joe McKinnis came to me. He kind of rushed to the front and was getting my attention. He couldn't wait, and I saw the look in his eyes. Something was desperate. I couldn't hear, and so we stepped off the platform and into the back room. And he was, he was in tears and very emotional. He said, Pastor, I wasn't even going to share this with you until I heard you tell the story about what Sister Brooks said to you three years ago. And I believe he told me that, he said, I shared it with my wife, but I wasn't going to share it with you. So this is confirmation that it wasn't just a story that I made up after the fact of hearing what you said. He said, the Lord gave me a dream. He said, number one, I don't dream, and if I do dream, I can't remember dreams. But I remembered this dream. And he said, I turned and looked, and he said, in my dream, I looked to the new building, and he said, there was a dark cloud that was over the building. And he said, I, I looked and was disturbed by the dark cloud, but he said, I saw 
the dark cloud, I saw a hole begin to break in the cloud and I saw the cloud begin to open up and he said behind that cloud I saw white fluffy clouds and he said eventually the white fluffy clouds overcame the dark cloud and he said I saw three clouds and he said in the clouds he said first I saw something I thought was a twinkle in the cloud and he said I looked more closely and as I looked more closely, he said, I thought, that's, that's white swans that are flying. And he said, I waited a minute as they're coming closer, and I looked more closely. And he said, I recognized that it wasn't white swans, but he said it was a host. He said it was a host of white horses. And he said they were coming down, and he said, I recognized what was happening. He said the white horses had broken through the dark cloud. And he said they were coming in and they were beginning to land right on our new facility. And he said that was about two weeks before you announced the first service. He said, Sister Brooks said the Lord is going to send an angelic host to go before you. And he said, I believe God confirmed that with me and said, before we ever get here, I'm going to go ahead and prepare the way for you that everything's going to go smoothly. I don't want to be over superstitious tonight, but I am going to tell you that I feel with the depth of, in the depth of my heart tonight that God is about to release an incredible revival. And what you feel in the atmosphere are the prevailing winds of revival that is shaking this region and coming in. If you're here tonight and you need a miracle in your life, don't wait. Rush up here to the front of this room. If you're here tonight and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, don't wait. Rush up here tonight. If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, don't wait. Step right up here to the front of the room and see one of our ministers and they'll be glad to prepare you and you can be numbers two and three and four and five and however many want to be baptized tonight because revival is in the atmosphere. In a revival atmosphere, God can do anything. No matter what you came needing tonight, no matter what came, if you came with sickness in your body, if you came, whether it's an issue in your home, your family, your personal life, or your spiritual life, God is able to meet that need. I want our ministers to look around right now and if you are here and you have a need and you would like somebody to join with you in prayer right now, I want you to slip up your hand right now, wherever you are. Look around your ministers. Find somebody with their hand raised. Step to where they are. Lay hands on them. God is about to do great things in the house. If you're here tonight and you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to lift up your hand. Somebody's going to find you. They're going to come to where you are, and they're going to pray with you. God can fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, God's going to do it. Revival is in the atmosphere. Revival is in the atmosphere. Revival is in the atmosphere.
Come on, turn this place into a prayer room for a little while. Just make this house a prayer room for a little while. 